Good morning, everyone. Um, yes, it is interesting. This is our experiment of um, having a 13-week-old, and we'll see how it goes. So if I have to do a mad dash, I've got a script, and David will read it, maybe. I don't know. We'll see how we go. Should be fine. Should be fine. Um, so welcome to Northern Community. We've been in this series called Welcome Home, and the hope um, when we dreamed of this Theories is that we'd be able to kind of re-welcome people into this um, space and into presence with each other after all of these lockdowns and the necessary separations that we've had over the last 18 months. Sadly, that's not to be. Um, but we get to join each other um, relationally um, through technology and we're privileged, really privileged to have that technology here. Um, so welcome. Welcome home. Um, into your own homes, as it turns out. Um, so if you've been tracking with us, either through the podcast or joining kind of through this Zoom service, we've covered some ground already. And this morning I'd like to take kind of what we've been learning and weave some of those themes together. A couple of weeks ago, Alethea spoke about safety um, as inclusion and kind of um, openness. Um, and last week David spoke about the importance of place, both um, a physical place Um, but much more so a relational place. And feeling welcome and being at home um, is about finding our place relationally. The question that we come to this morning is how do we create and find and help others to feel safe and to find their place relationally with us? And one of the ways um, that we can do that that's important is how we go about remembering and celebrating um, together. And we're going to think about how we do that personally and how we do that as a community. That's what we're doing. So if you get nothing else, that's that's the take-home, right? Um, There's lots of things that we choose to remember. There are lots of things that in the course of our lives we have um, traditions and celebrations. Generally, they're to recognise an event, to memorialise it, remember it well, make it memorable, or in response to a memory. There's something that we want to recall or remember. We remember someone's birthday, we celebrate um, graduations, we um, take a moment to remember events of the past, things like Anzac Day or Reconciliation Day. Some of those um, have mixed feelings with them. They're not always happy remembrances. Um, Next week we'll celebrate dads and we'll remember the things that they um, taught us. And some of those dads will be um, found dads and others will be our biological dads. Memories and memorials are important. They shape our way of life and who we are as a person, who we are as a community. The things that we choose to remember and how we remember them say something about who we are and what's important to us. Feasts and festivals were embedded in the Israelite community and in their calendar. And these festivals were appointed by Moses And they were intended to shape the people um, to be a community and to infuse their history into their present. The feasts and festivals all had a memory um, and a promise of God tied to them. And participation in the feasts kind of did two things, I think. The Israelites remembered their history and the events that shaped them in the past. They remembered God's actions. And then second, they invited a new generation to be part of that story, to understand their identity in that way. And throughout their history, Israelites went through periods where they forgot the meaning of their traditions. 
They got caught up in the practice and it became about the practices and the tradition for its own sake um, rather than as an act of remembering and celebration of the, the event itself. Time and again throughout the prophetic books of the Old Testament, we hear the prophets call the people back to God and insist that their practice of certain rituals had lost its meaning. And this is what we heard in the Bible reading this morning um, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. Time and again we see segments of the people use their feasts and festivals not as a way to include the next generation and share their story and um, expand their identity, but as a way to exclude people. By the time Jesus was walking the earth, there were a certain group of people who liked to try and restrict entry and engagement um, in the Jewish culture, um, and we have come to know them as the Pharisees. And Jesus got himself into all kinds of trouble um, with them because he continuously opened the doors to those that were excluded. He did this through miracles and through his teaching, but also, as we'll see this morning, he disrupted the festivals in such a way as to recall the origin of their practice and infuse it with this new meaning and accessibility. The passage that we're going to focus on this morning is from the account of Jesus' life that we find in John, in chapter 7. Now, John has constructed his account, um, who Jesus is, to show this building picture of Jesus as Messiah, a miracle worker, a teacher, and eventually a saviour. A savior. This chapter that we come to today really focuses on Jesus' teaching. And if you were to read through the whole of chapter 7, which I'll encourage you to do today, it's raining outside in Melbourne, so, you know, what else are you going to do in lockdown? Um, John 7, people, John 7. Um, we see that Jesus' teaching keeps bringing up this question, is this the Messiah? Could he be the Messiah? And this questioning inspires hope for the crowds, but it inspires plots, um, plots of assassination, um, arrest and murder of Jesus um, from the Pharisees. That's what they, they, their response is. So what is happening in the whole of chapter 7? Jesus is kind of asked by his brothers, um, let's go up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Weeks. Um, this is important. We'll come back to, to what that is. But Jesus says he's not going. Now, this is like saying that you aren't participating in a family tradition. This is like someone saying, oh, you're coming to Christmas lunch? Oh, no, I'm good. No worries. I'm good here, thanks. Um, the feast goes for kind of seven or eight days. So this is one of those ones that's a pilgrimage. They would go to Jerusalem. It goes for seven or eight days, depending on how you count them. And about halfway through the week, Jesus appears to have a change of heart and he... Um, goes to Jerusalem and he begins to teach in the temple courts where he attracts some attention both for what he says and the authority for which he seems, in which, with which he seems to speak. And then what we find in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, is this. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. These verses are kind of the climax of this section of John's gospel. John wanted his initial readers to take notice of what is going on because they unlike us, were familiar with the traditions of what the festival looked like. So I said earlier that it was important to know that it was the Feast of Tabernacles, that that's what Jesus was, where he was going. 
Jesus makes this statement at the climax of the Feast of Tabernacles. This was a festival that was held to remember the God who brought them out of Egypt and gave them life in the desert. The Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Booths, depending on um, you know, who's calling it, um, was a feast that involved the people coming to Jerusalem, making a pilgrimage, and they'd stay in tents. Um, they stayed in tents to reenact that time that they spent in the wilderness. And each day a priest would walk from the pool of Siloam, fill a jug with water, and then walk back up to the temple and pour it out as an offering. Um, And this was to recall the miracle of the the rock um, that provided a water source for their ancestors in the desert. This happened once a day, every day for six days, and then on the seventh day, the last day of the festival, there were seven jugs that were filled with water and that were then poured out. And it may have been just as this was happening that Jesus speaks. Now I want you to imagine with that image in mind, Jesus speaks and he says, as seven jugs of water are poured out, all who are thirsty can come to me. He says, anyone who believes in me will have rivers of living water flowing out of his heart. These are desert people. They know the value of water. Water is the source of life. And Jesus is offering abundance. How powerful. What a thing to say at such a time. I want us to reflect this morning on two things. What Jesus is saying about life in him and then what he's saying through his actions about the place of feasts and festivals. So first, by his um, words and actions, Jesus is saying, this festival is ultimately about remembering the source of life. That water that was vital for their survival in the desert was actual water, water from a rock. Miraculous. The water that Jesus speaks about is spiritual water, water for the soul. Miraculous. Anyone feel dry? This isn't about getting by. This isn't about just surviving the desert. What Jesus offers is about living life well, living life deep. What that means for us personally is that Jesus offers us the opportunity to have a life inside of us that overflows out of us, a life that comes from our reliance on him our leaning into him, our abiding with him. That's what Jesus, um, that David spoke, Jesus, David, <laughs> such a slip. Um, David spoke to us about last week. What it means for us personally is that we're able to demonstrate our faith in Jesus through the way that we live, the kinds of things that are outlined from that reading in Isaiah 58. You can go back and read that today too. It's a long day with lots of rain today, so there's lots of things you can read. The second thing I want us to reflect on this morning is that I think Jesus is saying something about feasts and festivals through his actions. Now, this is a little bit off-centre from the point of the passage, but I think it's worth us reflecting on today. At the beginning of chapter 7, Jesus doesn't tell his brothers that he's not going to the festival because he's mocking it or he doesn't have time for it. I think he wants to make a point about going. He's making it clear that he isn't going because that's what we do. 
I think he deliberately goes in the middle of the festival because the meaning behind the feast is important. But by his actions and words, Jesus is saying that the practice of remembering can change because the point of the feast perhaps has been lost. And he's maybe here demonstrating that this tradition needs renewal. Now, he's not changing it for change's sake. He's not just like, oh, I'm a bit tired of pouring out water jugs of water. He's not changing it because he doesn't agree with it. It's important to remember where they came from. Jesus is changing it to make it accessible to all people so that all people can have life that is rich and deep and overflowing. If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. So what does all that have to do with a series about Welcome Home, you might be thinking? Well, last week David asked us to reflect on what helps us feel at home somewhere and how we might help others to feel at home um, with us and, and here at Northern. I think there's nothing that makes us feel more at home than a well-loved tradition. Nothing makes you feel more welcome than when you discover that you've been included in someone else's tradition. Ever had that happen to you? We all have these quirky practices that make our family special, that make a certain place feel like home. Now, I've done the ultimate faux pas this morning and um, I'm sharing a story from my childhood and my family and my mum is in the room, in, in the Zoom. <laughs> um, and I've not talked to her about this, so hopefully it's okay, mum. Um, <laughs> we moved house a lot when I was a kid and every time we moved, we always put the pictures up on the wall first. It was the first thing we did when we got to a new house and the reason for that is that the walls might change um, but these pictures and these paintings stayed the same throughout my childhood. And my mum, whether through that experience or just because of who she is, is one of the best people that I know about making a space feel like home. And not just for us. Everyone was always welcome at our house. Um, my mum is a placemaker. And one of the ways that mum um, did and does this and um, she still does this, is that she opens up our family traditions to new people, to people who, through being a part of our traditions, become close friends, and then they kind of become found family. People are always invited um, to, to Easter or Christmas traditions with us. Um, if there's a celebration, a birthday, um, anything that is happening at Mum's house, inevitably there's um, an extra one or two people and mum always has this, oh, I hope you don't mind, but I've just invited um, said person. And we never mind. Um, you know, I, I remember a few years ago, it was, I think it was my birthday at mum's house, and she's like, oh, so I ran into this person. I've just invited them to come. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you might say inclusion has become part of our family tradition. Um, David spoke about found family a few weeks ago, and this is one of the ways that we create found family. We invite them into our traditions. We make space for them relationally. There's always room at the table for someone new. We include people in and we explain our traditions um, to them. We make space for them to celebrate with us and to remember with us. And we even go so far as to allow them to contribute and to shape our traditions. 
And this is one of the ways that we can help people feel at home with us. Having traditions is really about creating a rhythm in our life. We all have personal rhythms, and we also have a rhythm um, as a um, community here at Northern, and that rhythm um, includes meeting together or Zooming together um, on a Sunday. It includes singing, it includes sharing communion, it includes praying together, it includes looking um, deeper into God's Word together. And these rhythms are not familiar to everyone. So it's important that we do two things. First, we know why we do certain things, and we make sure that um, that practice is reflective of Jesus' heart, that we haven't got lost on the way, that we aren't those people in Isaiah 58. Um, We need to make sure that we aren't becoming just about the tradition for its own sake. We need to be willing for it to change. And then the second thing is that we explain what we're doing so that people who are new to our community feel included. They know what's going on and why. Now, we could just leave it there, and if I had a crying child, we would leave it there, but it turns out she's asleep, so that's exciting for everyone. Um, There is one thing that is really important for us to recognise when we think about the rhythm of our community and it being home. Within our rhythm of life, both as individuals and as members of a community, at any given time, there are things that we are celebrating and things that we are grieving and everything in between. We asked this morning, what are you celebrating? And it perhaps was a hard question for you to answer. It's a question that um, deliberately helps us to focus on things that are happening in our lives and in our world that we're excited about and rejoicing over. And when you're in a tough season, it can be one of the hardest questions to answer. But if you can answer, it can be incredibly helpful to your mental health. If we'd asked, what are you grieving? Everyone who responded with something they were celebrating, including um, Greg and I, we're excited about having baby Elizabeth, we're also grieving. We we miss our family. We, um, you know, Elizabeth's grandparents don't get to see her in person. Ooh, obviously a bit more upset about that than I thought. Um, or it's hormones, that too, <laughs> that could happen. Um, everyone who shared something they were excited about could also tell you something that's tough for them right now. We're in lockdown, everyone's got something tough to share. There's no doubt about those things sit within us all the time together. And as a community, our rhythm of life includes celebration and grief and everything in between all the time. Everyone's in a space of that at some point. And the larger our community grows, the more diversity we'll have of where individuals sit in seasons of life. Now, from time to time in churches, and I I don't know if we've ever said it here at Northern, but sometimes people will say from the front that we just want to leave all of the things from our weeks at the door and come in and worship God together. And that is said with the intention of focusing our attention on God and rather than on the demands of our everyday and all of the things that are going on in our weeks. But I think God wants all of you, the whole of you, the whole of your person, to come to him. And this is a space where we bring hopes and dreams 
fear and disappointment, grief and heartbreak. This is a community where those things are part of our rhythm. You don't have to leave them at the door. But in this community, as we remember Jesus together, through all the things and the ways that we do that, we remember that he is the one in whom we have life, through whom we can live life deep and live life well. That if you are thirsty, if you're feeling dry, you come to him. In this section of John that we looked at and throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus is not anti-tradition. He's not against the practice of regular feasts and festivals. What he wants is that the feasts and the festivals, the practices of remembrance in a community, point back to God, like Terry shared with us um, in communion this morning. That these things remind us of God's promises, remind us of God's story, and they make a way, they allow a way to include the next generation into our community or new people into our community. The intention of weaving feasts into the fabric of the Israelite um, people is how God formed them as people, as a community, as a people for the land. So I'm going to leave it there this morning. I've got a couple of reflection questions um, for us to look at. But before we do, I'm just going to pray and then we'll have a think about these reflection questions. Lord God, we come to you with the whole of who we are, our hopes and our dreams and our fears and our disappointments, our heartbreak. Lord, everyone who is um, part of this service this morning feels at least one, but possibly all of those things all at once. And God, we, um, we want to be able to be people who, who recognise that we can um, feel each of those things and still come to you that you are the one who binds us as a community. God, we pray that you would um, fill us to overflowing, that you would make um, Northern Community a community that has a river of life flowing in through it from you and out into the community around us. God, I pray for each person that is part of this service this morning or listening to the podcast, that the people they connect with in their lives, might know your reach, might feel welcome, might feel at home with our people. Lord, I pray for each of us that we would make a space relationally for someone new, that we would have that family tradition of inclusion. While we bring our hearts to you this morning, we ask that you would... um, Fill us who are thirsty, that you would give us something to drink and that we'd be able to share that water with someone else. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've just got a couple of questions for us to think about. Um, So what does your personal rhythm say about what's important to you? Often the way that we spend our time or um, how we do things can kind of say something about who you are, what, what matters to you. The second is what practices do you have as an individual or a family that remind you of who God is? What is it that you do together? 
Um, and if you don't have any, what might you do? There's no, I mean, no, how else does a tradition get started unless you decide, you know what, we're having a new tradition, this is what it is. Um, we're giving the dog Sundays. I don't think that would be good for our dog. He eats too much already. And third, how might some of our rhythms here at Northern grow and expand to include the next generation? And when I say next generation, I'm not just talking um, generation of um, age-wise, but, you know, how do we grow and expand to include more people and um, to help them be included in God's story? How could we do that better? Um, And I'm going to flick past to David and say, um, if you've got some ideas about those things, um, email, he's nodding, so it's okay. Um, all of the things you should check before you start speaking, but you know, these things happen. Um, if you've got some ideas about how our rhythms could grow and expand to include people, send an email to David, give him a call. Um, he would love to hear from you. He's nodding, so he'd lo- he would love to hear from you. Um, so take some time to um, think about that this morning and... Um, Thank you so much. We'll, um, we're going to share a song together um, while we reflect.